It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. So this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37. So if you can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be talking about a story that is familiar. We've all heard it. We've all been through it. But we're going to talk about it again. And it's the story of Joseph. Where Joseph goes from the favorite boy to the pit to the prison to the palace. And we're going to kind of break it down. So I'm going to give you kind of a little summary. So Joseph in chapter 2, 37 verse 2, it says that Joseph was the favorite son. It also says that he was given a coat of many colors. So he had favor. He was the favorite. And the brothers, obviously, when you have one favorite person in the family, there's envy, there's strife, there's anger, there's bitterness. So the brothers didn't like him. They're all flesh and blood. So then, and I'm just paraphrasing the story, and then we'll go back and, and enter in, okay? And then Joseph, he has these dreams about his sheath standing straight up, his brother's sheaths of corn and wheat. They rise up, and they bow down to Joseph's sheath. Then he has another dream about the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so he tells his brothers these dreams. So his, he goes out to see his brothers. He was told to go check on them. He goes to check on them. They're supposed to be in Shechem. They ended up in Dothan, totally off track of where they should have been. And so he goes in to check on them, and they see him coming, and they burn with envy. And they burn with envy, and they throw him down in this pit. And then Reuben says, hey, you know what? We're not going to kill the boy. We're just going to just leave him in the pit. So they saw these uh, Ishmaelites coming. They said, you know what? Let's just sell him to the Ishmaelites. So they got him to the Midianites, and they took him to Egypt. In the end of chapter 37, it says they sold him to a man in Egypt named Potiphar, who was the chief executioner, really. He was a wild man. He was a hard man. And then from there, he goes, his little hot mama Egyptian wife comes in and tries to grab a hold of Joseph. And he says, no, she lies, false accusation. He ends up going back into a prison. And then from there, he interprets dreams, his gifts. Remember the dreams. We're going to talk about them in a minute. He interprets the dreams, and then he goes on and stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he interprets his dreams. And, Joe, and we always stop at the palace. There's so much more that happened beyond the palace when his brothers came in and they didn't recognize him. Because they only knew him in his favor from man, but they didn't know him in his favor from God. You know, so they couldn't recognize him. And another thing, before I, I go back to the beginning, one thing that's so awesome about Joseph being the second in command over all of Egypt is he had the power to kill, but he chose to love. He could have destroyed his brother's lives. And, and Josh, this morning, he was speaking about grace in men's group. And that is one of the greatest stories that I think I've ever read about grace, second to only Christ dying on the cross for us. Joseph could have killed his brothers and, and never made another thing about it, but he didn't. He chose to love them. So I'm going to start real quick. Just kind of set the stage for how Joseph came on the scene, okay? Abraham was, and his wife, Sarah, they, they couldn't have any kids. They were barren. So Sarah comes to Abraham and says, hey. I'm going to give you my handmaid, you know? And so, and maybe 
God, the promise God gave you to be a father of many nations through our seed will come through Hagar. And so Abraham, being the man he is, of course, you know, he didn't argue the fact. He just went in. And just so you know, that's kind of was custom back in the days. They had multiple wives. And somewhere in between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew is when all that changed. It's about a 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And all that kind of changed. So Abraham went into Hagar, made Whoopi. She had a child. The child's name was Ishmael. She fled. She was scared. The, uh, Sarah said, you know what? Abraham told Sarah, look, I'm tired of your mouth. You're complaining about her. Do whatever you want with her. The angel of the Lord came and told Ishmael, hey, I'm going to make, don't worry. I'm going to make your son. He's going to be 12 princes come from him. That's where all the Iran, the Shunis, the Shiites, the Islamic nation, all them people came from Ishmael. And God blessed them at the time because that was still Abraham's seed. God will never go back on his word. So then they had a child named Isaac, Abraham and Sarah. And Isaac, Abraham took him, took him to the altar, was going to sacrifice him. Isaac knew he was going to be sacrificed, but he went willingly. And that ought to be an example that even when we don't understand what our father tells us, even if, if our, we're bound up, that we need to listen to our father. And God provided a ram in a bush, and there we go. So Isaac... He had two kids. He had um, Esau and Jacob, right? Remember, Esau, they were twins, Twinkies. Esau stuck his hand out, and they put the ribbon on his hand, and he pulled it back, and then here comes Jacob. He slid right on out. So it was kind of a confusion there. Well, who's really first? Who's really first? And so, and I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm just giving a little history lesson. And so they grow up. And Ishmael was a wild, I mean not Ishmael, Esau was a wild boy. He was always out in the field. He always smelled like uh, dirt. He always smelled like wild air in the, in the bush. And Jacob, he was always in the house. He was a mama's boy, you know. He didn't ever go out. He didn't get dirty. He didn't know how to cook. Ishmael come. Uh, Ishmael, I don't know why I keep thinking about that guy. Esau comes in, and he's starving. He's ravished. And he tells Jacob, ah, brother, I'm hungry. Feed me. And Jacob being the conniver that he was, he said, ah, some of your birthrights, brother. And so Esau sold his birthrights to Jacob for a bowl of beans. And then Jacob went in and they deceived Isaac by putting on goats. Remember the goat? They put on, on Jacob's arms because Esau was a very hairy guy. And so the mom, Rebecca, she made food and took it in. And anyway, they deceived Joseph, Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and that's where the 12 tribes of Israel come. You follow me? Joseph was the 11th son. And, we, and so he didn't count in the 12 tribes because they ended up using Ephraim and Manasseh, his two sons, and then the Levites were set apart for the tabernacle to take care of the, the offerings, the sacrifices, and then here we have Joseph. So now we get to verse 37, chapter 37. Y'all following me? Am I talking too fast? Y'all just staring at me. <laughs> Trying to set the stage. And we get to verse, chapter 37, verse 2, and it says, Joseph was the favorite son because he was the son of the old age. You know what I'm saying? Joseph was the favorite son. Not only was he the favorite son, but he was given a coat of many colors. Now, if you think about it, Joseph, being the 11th son, and there's 12, 
And his father comes up and gives him this beautifully handcrafted coat. I mean, totally set him apart. But also, it also said that Joseph gave a bad report of his brothers. So Joseph was also a tattletale. Okay, how many of y'all had tattletales in your family? You know, when I was a kid, I used to go in, in the, you know, and it was hard sneaking down our, our mobile, our trailer, because it just made so much noise. But I would sneak into the kitchen and take Twinkies and little Zuzus and Whammams from my brothers, and we'd sneak back in the bedroom and eat them. Then Mama would come in and find the wrappers and say, who did this? And both of my brothers would point right at me. And I'm like, y'all enjoyed the spoils of this, and y'all are going to give me up just like that. Well, that's how Joseph was. He gave everything. Every time his brothers did something, he went and ratted them out. So they hated him. They didn't like him. And so here's this 17-year-old boy. We got any teenagers in here? Any teenagers? One, yes. Amen. Praise God. Look. I made some bad decisions when I was 17. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or not. Which the decisions you make in a young age will affect you for the rest of your life. Joseph made some decisions that affected him for the rest of his life. Even though we find out it was God's plan, he still made some bad decisions. So Joseph, he goes and he's having, doing what teenage boys do. He has these dreams. He's wanting to be accepted by his brothers. They already don't like him. They're already probably shunning him. They're already probably going and doing things without him. He has these dreams. And the first dream he has is that his stalk of wheat rises up. And that his, all the, his brother's stalks of wheat come up and they bow down. And so Joseph, what does he do? He got a dream. He went, first thing he did, what did he do? He went and told it on the mountain. Went and told all of his brothers. And they hated him for it. But then he had another dream of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they all came and they bowed down and they worshipped Joseph. And that represented Isaac. It represented his father. It represented Jacob, I mean. It represented his father, his mother, and his brothers. And so they bowed down and worshipped him. And his father even rebuked him. So what's my point? They hated Joseph so much. They envied him. They burned with hate for his brother because of the dreams he had, because of the coat of many colors, because of the authority that was given to him, which should have been given to Reuben. And I know they talked about it. I know they got together and they just had this bad attitude towards Joseph. So what's my point? Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Because not everybody wants to see you shine. When God gives you a vision, God gives you a dream, the first thing you do is not go and put it on Facebook. Not everything that God gives you is meant to be shared. I believe with all of my heart that Joseph could have still got to the palace even if he didn't go through the pit. You know what I'm saying? If he would have just shut his mouth, and sometimes, look guys, it is real, let's keep it real. Sometimes you just got to shut up. Quit blabbing. When you got the favor of God on you, you don't have to tell people. They'll see it. Amen? At least that's how I see it. And so, he has these dreams. He told his brothers. And one thing that I've learned as, as a man, as a Christian, is not everybody wants your light to shine 100%. Because if you can dim your light some then their light will look brighter. Okay, don't ever dim your light or slow down your walk or scale back your ministry because somebody else can't keep up. Look, you can pray while you're running. The Apostle Paul says, press towards the mark of the call for the high calling. And we're running at a dead sprint as men and women for Christ. We, we don't stop. 
You can pray while you're running. You can worship while you're running. If somebody ain't keeping up, you don't stop what God told you to do and go back. You keep pressing forward. They'll keep up. They'll get there. They may not supposed to be on the same level you're at. So don't dim your light because somebody else don't, can't handle you at full capacity. So here comes Joseph. He goes down. The brothers are out there. They're, they're, his father sent them to feed the flock. They're in Shechem, which is, I don't know, it's a long ways. It's about this far on the map, however many feet that is, okay? I didn't measure it. But instead of being this far from where they're supposed to be, they were actually this far away from where Jacob told them to be. So he tells Joseph, hey, go check on your brothers. Go check on your brothers. Go see what they're doing. What's ironic about Joseph is Jacob was trying to make Joseph a ruler and overseer before he learned how to serve. And that's where he failed. And sometimes so many of us as men and women of God, we get anointed and we get all fired up and we do this and we do that. Then all of a sudden we want to start talking about, oh, I know how to fix this. Oh, put me up in the pulpit. Put me in charge. You know what I'm saying? Because I've learned something. It's not always that way. You know, David was anointed king as a teenager. What did he do after he got anointed? He went right back to being a shepherd. He didn't actually get the throne until 13 years later. Imagine that. So when you have a gift, when you have an anointing, you don't, it's not always going to happen immediately. Joseph was trying to make Joseph, uh, Jacob was trying to make Joseph a ruler in, God's, in, in man's way before he learned how to serve. Joseph didn't know how to serve. He was out there bragging about his dreams. He was out there telling him, oh, my daddy's going to get you. You know, he was out there telling about all his, how his brothers are going to bow down and worship him. And they saw him. They're out there. Here comes Joseph. And he's going through this forest in the wilderness. And he looks up. And the brothers, they see him from a long distance. And you know how they recognized him? They didn't recognize him because of it was, it was, he was Joseph. They recognized him by his gift. And not, not everybody is going to accept your gift. When they'll recognize you by your gift, but they're not going to like it. And that's hard. Because as, as people, we want people to be happy. We want people to smile. We want people to love us. We want people to accept us. And just like Joseph, when God tells us something, we want to feel important and we want to run and tell everybody. But it's not for everybody to know. So they saw him from a ways off by the coat, the favor that Jacob had given him. And when he, before he even got there, they conspired, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill this boy. So they throwed him down in this pit. And the Bible says there was no water. And we'll get back to that in just a second. And the Bible says there was no water. One thing that struck me kind of crazy, odd, was they never called Joseph by his name. You know what they said? Here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. See, they knew he had a gift, but they didn't like it. So Joseph comes, they snatch him up, and they throw him down in this pit. And I could just for, imagine for just a minute the people that you love and cherish the most hurt you. And they threw him in this pit. And I couldn't imagine what Joseph was thinking. And there was no way to get out. And the reason I brought up that the pit didn't have any water, because if we're in a pit in life, and there's something to sustain us, we can stay there. Right? There's no water in the pit because water brings life. Water brings sustenance. 
And we can sit in our misery. We can sit down in this pit and stay there as long as I'm barely making ends meet. I'm not going to fight to get out. As long as nobody knows that, you know, we're having an affair in this pit, I can stay there. But eventually you're going to have to come out. You know, that pit represents so much more than just the pit. Some of these pits that people put us into because they can't handle your gift. They can't handle what God has called you to do. And here you are, you're fighting and you're, you're pushing forward and you're trying to do everything God told you to do. And next thing you know, the people you love and cherish has just trashed you down in this pit. Then they're deciding what they're going to do with you as if it's, they have authority to do that. They don't have that authority. Some of us are in the pits of depression this morning. And I was, I was, during worship, I was just thinking about what Portia said about the fear. You know, I've, read, I've never in my life been afraid. I've struggled with other things. But I've never been afraid, even except one time. Well, I say never, except one time and when I was in prison. But some of us are bound up by fear. Some of us are bound up by We're just stuck. And we let this fear rule our life. The pastor always says, what does fear mean? False evidence is appearing real. And we let this darkness surround us. Sometimes we get put in darkness and we didn't put ourselves there. Now, the other time, we put ourselves there. Sometimes we put ourselves in these pits and we want to blame other people. And it ain't other people that's done it. We've done it to ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We want to smoke our entire life and say, Why do I got lung cancer, Lord? Well, why do you got lung cancer? He'll heal you. He can. He will. But we self-inflict ourselves. We put ourselves, you know, we we cheat on our spouses. And it doesn't have to be a physical cheat. What are you looking at at night? What are you flipping through on Instagram? And and Man, I I hate that Instagram and Facebook is so part of our lives now. You can't do nothing without it. Every sermon I hear has got Facebook. Every sermon I hear has got Instagram because you've got access to everything your heart desires. And that's a pit. Pornography is the pit. You don't have to physically cheat to be cheating on your spouse. One thing that, when I was asking Gabe if he was going to come to class, he said he was going to spend some time with his family. And, uh, and not just spend time, but to be present. And that hit me hard because sometimes... We get in these pits of ministry. We get in these pits of, oh, the more I do for God, then that means must be the closer I get to God. And that's not how it is. God didn't call you to be busy. He called you to be effective. But we get in these pits of, of works righteousness where we feel like the more I do, the more God is approved and the more he's going to bless me. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works. And I respect that from, from Gabe. I think sometimes we, we need to take a step back and look at what we're involved in. Look at all these. And yes, ministry can be a pit. It doesn't have to be. It could be fun. It could be loving. It can be caring. It could be right where God wants it to be. But when you, when you have 10 ministries and you're only giving 20% to each one, you're bound up. We don't earn our way to heaven, guys. We can't earn our way. It's a gift. Grace is a gift. So they say Joseph's down there, and I can just imagine he's, he's whining. What, what happened? What's going on here? You know, what are they doing to me? He's hollering up, come on, guys. 
you know, you're funny, it's over. So what do they do? They pull him out of the pit. The same people that put him in there were the same people that pulled him out. And as he's coming out, he was saying, I'm telling daddy on y'all, y'all are going to get it. He is going to tear up your backside. Wait till I get home and tell daddy what y'all have done to me. And you know what that happened? He didn't go home. Joseph never went back to his house. He never went back to his father's house. They took him and they sold him to some Midianite traders. Could you just think about for a moment you, the people you love the most betraying you so awful, so bad, and they just hooked him up to this cart, and here he is being drugged to Egypt? What do you think he was thinking? You think he was hateful? You think he was mad? You think he was angry? You think he felt all alone? You think he felt depressed? It happens. Sometimes the people that are the closest to us are the ones that hurt us. Maybe because our expectations are too high. Maybe we shouldn't expect the people we love to treat us any way different than we treat them. So he gets to Egypt. He goes into Egypt and He sold to Potiphar. And Joseph, remember, his wife was beautiful. His, his, Joseph's dad worked for 14 years just to get his wife. Remember, he got Leah first, then he ended up getting Rebecca. And she was beautiful. She had to be beautiful if he worked 14 years for her before he even got her. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. And just for the record, I would have waited an eternity for my bride. No doubt. You're the apple in my eye, Em. Joseph was a handsome boy. You know, we see all these pictures. He was probably cut. He, probably, he was probably like Brent. He was probably the only one in here that's got a six-pack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. He was ripped up, and he went in. But the Bible says the Lord was with him. Now, what I want to say, not only did it say the Lord was with him there, when he got thrown back into prison, the Lord was with him. Doesn't matter what pit you're going through or how many times you get out of the pit, the Lord is with you. I understand about going from one place to another place. Life happens. 2005, my brother was killed. And I thought, this is the deepest, darkest pit I've ever been in in my life. Shut down. I didn't work for almost 45 days. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to breathe. And it crushed me. Crushed me so hard. And then guess what happened? A year later, my best friend got killed. Not killed. He died of a heart attack. He was an older guy. He died of a heart attack. I preached at his sermon for his wife, asking me to, to give a message at his sermon. And 10 people gave their life to Christ. So that was something that good came out of it. But I went from one pit to a, another one. Then my grandfather, he got sick and he died. And he went on. Then my mom got ate up with cancer. And my mom died. And I'm going from this pit to this pit. He just got into another one. And then I look up and my wife gets sick. So I'm standing there saying, Lord, Jesus, where are you? Did I do something, Lord? Did I make you mad? What happened? And those, those words that he told me in the hospital, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
And I understand that sometimes in life, your pit may not be a pit of families dying, members dying. Your pit may be from one drug addiction to a next drug addiction, and you get off of this crack, and you get off this cocaine, and you jump over here, and then you start eating and because you're trying to fill that void, and you just keep going from one pit to another pit. And eventually, you're going to run out of pits, but only when you run into Christ. Because he's the only one that can fill those voids. And as much as my life was in pain, and as much as it hurt, I never could understand it. Why did I have to experience so much death in my family? And now my grandma, she's had up with cancer. My dad called me. He's got lung cancer. Why? Why me, Lord? Huh? Why did you have to give this stuff to me? And do you think Joseph might have ever said, why is that? am I going through this, Jesus? Why do I have to go through all this pain, this hurt, this misery? But God was with him. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how many pits you've gotten in and then jumped out and got into another one. Even if you put yourself there, it's okay. God is with you. Huh? Can you praise him this morning for that? And he says, I will never leave you, forsake you. And that's what gets me the most about grace, even when it's self-induced. But God still loves me, and he still wants to be with me, and he's still waiting for me. So here we go. Joseph's serving. Joseph's doing. God is with Joseph, and Potiphar makes Joseph the head of all his household. Joseph's flourishing. And guess what? Oh, hot mama. She comes in. You know, I'm sure Potiphar's wife, being an Egyptian, she probably went in and been looking at Joseph, been scoping him out, been waiting for opportunities, sending servants here, sending servants there, just so she could have that moment. So she had her best nightgown on, looking her prettiest, her Oliver jewelry, you know. And here comes Joseph. And he walks, she walks in and says, Lie with me, Joseph. Lie with me. And you know what Joseph said? No. And he fled. And she took his coat. Now, we want to always think that always means lust. That always means uh, that when that particular part of that story, it covers everything. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, pluck it out. Joseph could have very well said, you know what? This is my vindication, Lord. I've earned this. I have the right now. For what my brothers did to me. I could do what I want. And you know what? He could have. But he would have died there. He would have never gotten out of prison. Sometimes we get these self-righteous attitudes. Sometimes we think, I've earned this, Lord. Sometimes we think, I've deserved this, Father God, because of all that I've been through. And that's not how God operates. We don't deserve anything. If the truth be told, we deserve to be nailed to the cross. And Joseph fled. And then here we go again. Guess where he went? Right back into another pit. Uh, Potiphar's hot mama went and spread lies. She screamed out. Said, look, he tried to rape me. I have his clothes. I've had people lie about me in this church. Saying I've messed with girls before. I've never messed with no girls. And what do you do? What do you do? When you know you haven't done anything. Who do you give it to? 
Do you go and take care of it yourself? Do you go and vindicate it yourself? Or do you let God do it? Let God do it. And he has. And he's still working. There's some things he's working on right now. And people will lie about you. They will say things about you. Because they can't handle you at 100%. You don't ever dim your light. No matter how many pits you get in. And she lied about Joseph. And some of you in here have been lied to. Some of you in here have been lied about. People have put false accusations on you. And your family. And your children. It's okay. God will vindicate you. I always hear a lot of people say a lot of bad stuff about Joel Osteen. I'm not one of them. He's still a Christian. He still serves God in his capacity. And when they were giving him hard times and criticizing him because of the Hurricane Harvey incident, you know what he said? God will vindicate me. I had a reason why I didn't do this. Had I opened my floodgates then, they would have all been wet. God will vindicate you. And what we want to do as men and women is we want to lash out. We want to go pick them up and shake them and say, quit talking about me. We want to get that righteous indignation. And you can be righteous, indignant, but you got to give it to God. Let God take care of that. So Joseph goes to prison. I'm really surprised he didn't get executed because of who Potiphar was. He was the chief executioner. But God was with Joseph. Even in your storms, even in your battles, even when you don't understand it, even when you're hopping from one pit to another pit, God is still with you and he has his hands on you. Even when you can't see it. Me and Daryl talk all the time. When you can't see over the mountain, follow the footsteps. So Joseph goes to prison and guess what? The Bible says God was with Joseph. So Joseph flourishes. Joseph is put in charge of the entire dungeon. He's in the prison where the king's prisoners come, okay? And when you think about the difference between that, let's just compare it to a regular criminal prison to a federal prison. The difference is night and day. And so Joseph is in here. He's, he's prospering again, even though he doesn't understand it. Here comes the butler and the baker that belong to Pharaoh. And they come in, and they have these dreams. Remember the dreams. How long has it been since Joseph used his gifts? It's been a long time. Joseph used his dreams. They, they came and they, they told Joseph, hey, they shared their dreams with Joseph. And Joseph said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Okay, Baker, in three days, you're going to be hung from a tree. And then he told the butler, in three days, you'll be restored. But remember me. But remember me. You know what was amazing about Joseph and his gift? Not only did he have the gift to dream, but he had the gift to interpret them dreams. Some of us have gifts that we're not using. Some of us us have gifts that we left in the pit a long time ago. And we we don't want to pull them, dig them up. We don't want to pull them out because it's painful. What has God called you today? What, What gift has God given you to use today in your life? Doesn't matter what you're... Anybody else around you is doing. What did God call you to do? It's so quick. We're so quick that we live in this now generation. We pray in the morning, oh, God, give me a ministry. And by 10 o'clock that evening, we're already jumping on to something. We have everything we could ever imagine is instant. We're in the now generation. You can check your bank account. 
You can check your, your whatever you look at, your emails, your text messages, your phone calls, everything is snap, snap, snap. And we carry that over to our walk with God. We carry that over, and we want everything to happen right now. It was 13 years for Joseph from the time he fell into that pit to the time he becomes second in command. And it takes time, just like it took David 13 years to get the crown. And it takes time. Be patient. Don't put the cart before the horse. Go back and find the gifts. Resurrect those gifts that God has given you. Because it was a long time before Joseph used his gifts to interpret dreams. And so the butler, he goes back to Pharaoh. And the Bible says it was two years had passed. And I could, I just could imagine what Joseph is probably just thinking. Okay, <laughs> this is my life now. They've forgotten about me. There's, I'm going to be nothing more than the head prisoner here, being in charge of this prison. And they came. One day, Pharaoh has these dreams about these big, fatted calves, you know, eating all this grain. Then he has another dream about skinny calves that look like they're about to die. And he says, can y'all interpret my dreams? And they said, no, but there's a boy in prison. Huh? There's a boy in prison that can interpret the dream. So they went and they got Joseph. They cleaned him up, made him look all nice, and, and brought him in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, can you interpret my dreams? And, man, this is a defining moment for every one of us, a defining moment right here. And everything we encounter, every bit of our ministry, every bit of our life, this moment right here will define who you are as a Christian. Joseph said, no, I can't. But the God I serve can. Again, he could have been vindicated. Again, he could have said, yes, I can. But he didn't. He gave the glory to God. And he told, he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and told him what was going to happen, why it was going to happen, and how it was going to happen. And then Pharaoh said, is there any other in all the world, like the God of Joseph? And what, what's the first thing he did? What's the first thing Pharaoh did for Joseph? Put a robe of royalty. Read the Bible. Put the robe of royalty on him. See, Joseph had to, Joseph had to be stripped of his authority and his ways of doing things in the world. So that God could use him in the spiritual realm. Amen. Sometimes we have to be stripped of our authority. Sometimes we, we get this big head. And sometimes we, we just get out, put the cart before the horse, and we're out doing things. And, and we don't even know why we're doing them. And God's setting us up from the pit to the palace. Yeah. Amen. And so they put this robe of royalty on Joseph and gave him the signet ring. And that reminds me so much. So much about the prodigal son. And when the prodigal son came back, the father saw him from afar and he ran out and he grabbed him. And they brought him in. The first thing he did was gave him a new robe. He restored him. Joseph was restored. Pharaoh didn't know he was restoring him, but Joseph was restored. Joseph was living out the dreams that God had given him as a teenager. Here he is now, 33 years old. 30 years old. 
You know, there's so many comparisons. There's 116 comparisons of Joseph and his life with Jesus and his life. And when I first started reading this story, that's what I was going to talk about this morning, is the comparisons. But I said, nah, that would get boring. Everybody likes all the details. But everybody's like me and Rachel. We like all the weird stuff. <laughs> so we do. We really do. Um, so he puts this robe on him. And the most amazing thing, I've, I've, I've felt that robe of me when I was locked up. And the Holy Spirit came over me just like a coat. He just wrapped his arms around me. And sometimes when we're going through dark things and we don't understand what's happening, look, hold on. Hold on through the night. Don't quit. Don't give up because the next day you have a different life. All it takes is one. Joseph got a one phone call from the man. The next thing you know, he's in charge of the entire world. So don't give in. Don't quit right when you get to the finish line. Be patient. Stay focused. Dial in. Get in the word. Spend time. Stay the course. Press towards the mark. Quit stopping and starting and stopping and starting. You're never going to get anywhere if you don't be consistent. Stay with it. Stay focused. Trust in God. Even when you can't see it. I still don't understand why all these things happened to me. I've had some ideas, but nothing that was confirmed. But there's still more coming. Amen? There's still more coming. And so Joseph's set up, and he's in there, and he's ruling, and he's reigning, and he's giving orders, and he is doing exactly what God called him to do when he was 17. He's now doing it at 33, 30 years old. And guess what? The Bible says this famine got so severe that Jacob said, hey, boys, why are y'all looking at each other? Go and do something. At least go to Egypt and see if you can buy some grain. How many of us just sit around on a weekly basis and just look at each other like, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. You know, there's a, a, a million souls that need to be saved. We could go do something. But now we just sit and look at each other. What are you doing? Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? And you tell the brothers, what are y'all doing? Go. Do something. At least we won't starve to death. So they go down there. And they see Joseph, but they don't recognize but Joseph recognized them. They, they have only ever known Joseph as a little boy, as a little punk, as a little smart mouth, as a little kid, a teenager. They didn't, they, 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 they would have recognized him if he was in his father's coat, in his manly, earthly coat, but they couldn't recognize him in the royal robe. People aren't always going to recognize you when you're walking in righteousness. And that's not to build you up. That's not to say you're better than anybody. That's not to stand there and beat your chest and say, I've earned this, I've done this. No, everything we do, what? Is a direct path to who? Jesus Christ. If you want to be first, what? You got to be last. If you want to be a ruler, you got to what? You got to serve. See, Joseph had to learn how to serve through all these pits before he could rule. Because if you can't serve well, You'll never rule well. If you can't use your gift that God gave you in the pit to love somebody, you'll never get to the palace and be able to love somebody. If you can't give of your tithe and your offering in the pit, you're never going to have enough money to give in the palace. What, God, what, what gift has God given you that you is still in the pit? You've got to use it. We're not all supposed to be 
We're not all supposed to be kings. We're not all supposed to be rulers in that sense. Some of us have to be sweepers. Some of us have to be cleaners. Some of us have to be people that just stand here and hold doors open and greet people with smiles. Some of us have to check the parking lots. But we all work together. But if you don't ever use your gift when you got it, when God gives it to you and he anoints you with it, you're never going to use it in the palace because you won't ever make it. Don't bury your gift. Don't bury your treasure. Don't bury what God has given you to be prosperous. And he didn't give it you these gifts so you could go out and make a million dollars to live this lavish lifestyle. He gave you these gifts so you could go out and do what? Honor him. Honor the kingdom. Win souls for Christ. That's why we have these gifts. That's why we have these talents. And here's Joseph. He's standing there. He's using them. He's thriving. The, the second most richest man in all the world. Imagine that. Just dawned on me. There was an inmate running the world. Go figure. Go figure. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God awesome on what he could do? You know what I never heard, heard Joseph say one time in the Bible? Never heard one complaint. You can't show me in the scripture where he was bitter, where he was angry. He wasn't. He trusted. He kept doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then here comes his brothers, and they, and they don't recognize him. And that was so powerful when I, when I understood that that was a moment of grace because Joseph could have killed every one of them. He could have had them sent to his old boss, Potiphar, and said, hey, run them through the torture chambers. Would he have been justified? He could have. He could have killed. He could have murdered. He could have had every one of them destroyed, but he chose to love. So what do you do when people throw you into a pit? When people lie about you? When people make things up that ain't true? What do you do? How do you respond? I'm learning. I've made so many bad choices in trying to respond the T.O. way. And what happens is I just keep going back to that pit. Another pit, another pit, another pit. Until I learn to love. What are you doing when people revile against you? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do when the people lied about him? When they talked bad about him? And they crucified him? It's amazing the grace that Jesus died for, for sinners, but he died for people that didn't, were never going to love him. He died for people who were never going to love him. Could you imagine that? Joseph brings his entire family. He brings his entire family into Egypt. And he's finally, his dream comes to fulfillment. He is now ahead of his house. And everything that he had in his dreams, where he said, you will bow down to me, the sun and the moon will bow down to me. All that came to pass. Amen. All right, now let me get to my notes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. The very people who oppressed him now hired him. You don't get to the palace unless you go to the pit. You won't ever stand and rule in the palace if you don't ever stand and rule in the pit because the pit is preparation for the palace. When you're going through hell, don't look back. Don't stop. You're going to come out of it. Okay? 
Remember this when you're in the pit, okay? Losers focus on what they're going through. Champions focus on what they're going to. You might not always be able to control the pit that you're going through, but you don't have to focus on it. You focus on where you're going. Keep your eyes on the prize of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no prize without a cost. There's no crown without a cross. There's no dawn without a night. There's no victory without a fight. Don't look at what you're going through. Look at what you're going to. It's where our focus has to be. Every trial leads to triumph. Every tear leads to joy unspeakable. Every tunnel has a light. Don't look at what you're going through. Look at what you're going to. Because you can spend an entire life in the same pit. Lift your eyes up. Look at the hills. Amen. I love this story so much because it's such a reflection of Jesus Christ. It's such a reflection of Jesus Christ, how he was misled, how people lied about him. He was crucified, and he became the ruler. He gave us authority. He gave us dominion. And the same thing happened with Joseph. he just come from nothing to the ruler. Can we close our eyes this morning? Can you just think about the, the pits that, of, of your life that you're going through right now? Some of us have, are literally in a pit right now of fear. Some of us are in, in a pit of a financial crisis. And I've been there. You can't even afford to pay attention. You're so broke. I understand. I understand. And I'm not making light of it. But some of us are there. Some of us are, are in a pit where our marriage is just stagnant. There's no fire. There's no passion. And we're just existing. What are you going through this morning? What do you want to get out of? But even more than that, what gift has God given you today? Everybody in here has a gift. Don't bury it. Don't leave it in the pit. Use it. God will flourish that in your life. I want you to look at this and, and whatever it is that has got you bound up. Maybe it's, it's death. Maybe it's sick people. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you're addicted to drugs still. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Whatever pit you're in, I want you to grab a hold of it. Just grab a hold of this thing. And then I want you to reach up and grab Jesus' hand. You know what was so amazing, even though they betrayed him? But Joseph would have never gotten out of that pit if somebody didn't reach in and grab him. Some of us today have the means to help somebody get out of a pit because of a gift that God has given us, but we choose not to do it. Can you reach down and grab somebody? That's what I love about Peter and John when they went to to the temple and they saw the guy and they said silver and gold have I none but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk and he reached his hand out he reached down some of us are in a position where we can reach down and pull somebody out some of us are in a position where we need to reach up and grab help so take whatever it is that you have that's holding you back that your gift your, your anger your bitterness whatever is in you 
And I want you to set it down in that pit. Then I want you to take the hand of Christ and climb out. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at likechristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.